Chapter Nineteen of Beverly of Graustark. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Patricia Rutledge of Yorba Linda, California. Beverly of Graustark by George Barr McCutcheon. Chapter Nineteen the night fires why good evening is that you struggled somewhat hysterically through beverly's lips not since the dear old days of the stolen jam and sugar bits had she known the feelings of a culprit caught red-handed the light from the park lamps revealed a merry accusing smile on the face of yetive but the faces of the men were serious marlanx was the picture of suppressed fury it is the relief expedition your highness said yetive warmly we thought you were lost in the wilds of the jungle she is much better protected than we could have imagined said the iron count malevolently mild and polite can't i venture into the park without being sent for asked beverly ready to fly into the proper rage the pink had left her cheeks white I am proud to observe, however, that the relief expedition is composed of the most distinguished people in all Graustark. Is there any significance to be attached to the circumstance? Can't we also go strolling in the park, my dear? plaintively asked Yetive. It depends on where we stroll, I fancy, suggested Marlinx derisively. Beverly flashed a fierce look at the head of the army. By the way, Baron Dangloss, where is the incomparable Hadan? Baldos shot a startled glance at the two men, and in an instant comprehension came to him. He knew the secret of Hadan's constant companionship. An expression of bitter scorn settled upon his mouth. Dangloss mumbled a reply, at which the Iron Count laughed sarcastically. I am returning to the castle, said Beverly coldly. Pray, don't let me interfere with your stroll. Or is it possible that you think it necessary to deliver me safely to my nurse now that you have found me? Don't be angry, dear, whispered Yetive, coming closer to her side. I will tell you all about it later on. It was all due to Count Marlanx. It was all done to humiliate me, replied Beverly, indignation surpassing confusion at last. I hate all of you. Oh, Beverly, whispered the princess in distress. Well, perhaps you were led into it, retracted Beverly, half mollified. Look at that old villain whispering over there. No wonder his wives up and died. They just had to do it. I hate all but you and Count Halfont and Baron Dangloss which left but one condemned. "'And Baldos?' added Yetive, patting her hand. "'I wish you'd be sensible,' cried Beverly, most ungraciously, and Yetive's soft laugh irritated her. "'How long had you been listening to us?' "'Not so much as the tiniest part of a minute,' said Yetive, recalling another disastrous eavesdropping. "'I am much wiser than when Baldos first came to serve you.' We were quite a distance behind Count Marlanx, I assure you. Then he heard something? asked Beverly anxiously. He has been in a detestable mood ever since we rejoined him. Could he have heard anything disagreeable? No, 
On the contrary, it was quite agreeable. All this time Baldos was standing at attention a few paces off, a model soldier despite the angry shifting of his black eyes. He saw that they had been caught in a most unfortunate position. No amount of explaining could remove the impression that had been forced upon the witnesses, voluntary or involuntary as the case might be. Baldos could do nothing to help her while she was compelled to face the suspicions of her best friends. At best it could be considered nothing short of a clandestine meeting, the consequence of which she must suffer, not he. In his heated brain he was beginning to picture scandal with all the disgusting details that grow out of evil misrepresentation. Count Halfont separated himself from the group of three and advanced to the sedan chair. Marlanx and Dangloss were arguing earnestly in low tones. "'Shall we return, Your Highness?' asked Halfont, addressing both with one of his rarest smiles. "'If I remember aright, we were to dine on famille to-night, and it is well upon the hour. Besides, Count Marlanx is a little distressed by your absent-mindedness, Miss Beverly, and I fancy he is eager to have it out with you.' "'My absent-mindedness? What is it that I have forgotten?' asked Beverly, puckering her brow. "'That's the trouble, dear,' said Yetive. "'You forgot your promise to teach him how to play that awful game called poker. "'He has waited for you at the castle since six o'clock. "'It is now eight. "'Is it any wonder that he led the searching party? "'He has been on nettles for an hour and a half.' "'Goodness! "'I'll wager he's in a temper,' exclaimed Beverly, with no remorse but some apprehension. "'It would be wise to apologize to him.' suggested yetive and her uncle nodded earnestly all right i think i can get him into good humor without half trying oh count marlanx come here please you aren't angry with me are you wasn't it awful for me to run away and leave you to play solitaire instead of poker but don't you know i was so wretchedly tired of the ride and i knew you wouldn't mind if i and so she ran glibly on, completely forestalling him to the secret amusement of the others. Nevertheless, she was nervous and embarrassed over the situation. There was every reason to fear that the Iron Count had heard and seen enough to form a pretty good opinion of what had passed between herself and Baldos in this remote corner of the park. A deep sense of shame was taking possession of her. Marlinx, smiling significantly, looked into her brave little face, and permitted her to talk until she had run out of breath and composure. Then he bowed with exaggerated gallantry, and informed her that he was hers to command, and that it was not for him to forgive, but to accept whatever was her gracious pleasure. He called upon the chair-bearers, and they took up their burden. Beverly promptly changed her mind, and concluded to walk to the castle and so they started off the chair going ahead as if out of commission for ever despite her efforts to do so the american girl feeling very much abused by the way was unsuccessful in the attempt to keep the princess at her side yetive deliberately walked ahead with halfont and dangloss it seemed to beverly that they walked unnecessarily fast and that marlanx was provokingly slow Baldos was twenty paces behind, as was his custom. "'Is it necessary for me to ask you to double the number of lessons I am to have?' Marlanx asked. He was quite too close to her side to please Beverly. 
Can't you learn in one lesson? Most Americans think they know all about poker after the first game. I am not so quick-witted, your highness. Far be it from me to accelerate your wits, Count Marlinx. It might not be profitable. You might profit by losing, you know, he ventured, leaning still closer. Poker is not the only game of chance. It was chance that gave me a winning hand this evening. I don't understand. It shall be my pleasure to teach you in return for instructions I am to have. I have tried to teach your excellent guard one phase of the game. He has not profited, I fear. He has been blind enough to pick a losing hand in spite of my advice. It is the game of heart. Beverly could not but understand. She shrank away with a shudder. Her wits did not desert her, however. I know the game, she said steadily. One's object is to cast off all of the hearts. I have been very lucky at the game, Count Marlinx. Umph, was his ironical comment. Ah, isn't this a night for lovers? He went on, changing tack suddenly. To stroll in the shadows where even the moon is blind is a joy that love alone provides. Come, fair mistress, share this joy with me. With that, his hand closed over her soft arm above the elbow, and she was drawn close to his side. Beverly's first shock of revulsion was succeeded by the distressing certainty that Baldos was a helpless witness of this indignity. She tried to jerk her arm away, but he held it tight. "'Release my arm, sir,' she cried, hoarse with passion. "'Call your champion, my lady. It will mean his death. I have evidence that will ensure his conviction and execution within an hour. Nothing could. Call him, I say, and I will call him. He is my sworn protector, and I will command him to knock you down if you don't go away, she flared, stopping decisively. At his peril. Baldos, she called without a second's hesitation. The guard came up with a rush just as Marlinx released her arm and fell away with a muttered imprecation. Your Highness cried Baldos, who had witnessed everything. "'Are you afraid to die?' she demanded briefly and clearly. "'No.' "'That is all,' she said, suddenly calm. "'I merely wanted to prove it to Count Marlinx.' Tact had come to her relief most opportunely. Like a flash she saw that a conflict between the commander of the army and a guard could have but one result, and that disastrous to the latter. One word from her would have ended everything for Baldus. She saw through the Iron Count's ruse as if by divine inspiration, and profited where he least expected her to excel in shrewdness. Marlanx had deliberately invited the assault by the guard. His object had been to snare Baldos into his own undoing, and a horrible undoing it would have been. One blow would have secured the desired result. Nothing could have saved the guard who had struck his superior officer, but Beverly thought in time. "'To die is easy, your highness. You have but to ask it of me,' said Baldos, whose face was white and drawn. "'She has no intention of demanding such a pleasant sacrifice,' observed Count Marlanx, covering his failure skillfully. "'Later on, perhaps, she may sign your death warrant.' I am proud to hear, sir, that a member of my corps has the courage to face the inevitable, even though he be an alien and unwilling to die on the field of battle. You have my compliments, sir. 
you have been on irksome duty for several hours and must be fatigued as well as hungry a soldier suffers many deprivations not the least of which is starvation in pursuit of his calling mess is not an unwelcome relief to you after all these arduous hours you may return to the barracks at once the princess is under my care for the remainder of the campaign baldos looked first at her and then at the sarcastic old general yetive and her companions were waiting for them at the fountain a hundred yards away you may go baldos said beverly in low tones i am not fatigued nor he began eagerly go snarled marlanx am i to repeat a command to you do you ignore the word of your mistress there was a significant sneer in the way he said it mistress gasped baldos his eye blazing his arm half raised count marlanx implored beverly drawing herself to her full height and staring at him like a wounded thing i humbly implore you not to misconstrue the meaning of the term your highness said the count affably ah you have dropped something permit me it is a note of some description i think he stooped quickly too quickly and recovered from the ground at her feet the bit of paper which had fallen from her hand it was the note from ravon to baldos which beverly had forgotten in the excitement of the encounter count marlanx give me that paper demanded beverly breathlessly is it a love letter perhaps it is intended for me at any rate your highness it is safe against my heart for the time being when we reach the castle i shall be happy to restore it it is safer with me come we go one way and have you not gone sir in his most sarcastic tone to the guard beverly was trembling no i have not and i shall not go until i see you obey the command of her highness she has asked you for that piece of paper said baldos standing squarely in front of marlanx insolent dog do you mean to question my give over that paper if you strike me fellow it will be if i strike you it will be to kill count marlanx the paper sir baldos towered over the iron count and there was danger in his daredevil voice surely sir i am but obeying your own instructions protect the princess and all that is hers with your life you have said to me oh i wish you hadn't done this baldos cried beverly panic-stricken you have threatened my life i shall not forget it fool here is the precious note your highness with my condolences to the writer marlanx passed the note to her and then looked triumphantly at the guard i dare say you have done all you can sir do you wish to add anything more what can one do when dealing with his superior and finds him a despicable coward said baldos with cool irony you are reputed to be a brave soldier i know that to be a false or i would ask you to draw the sword you carry and he was drawing his sword as he spoke baldos implored beverly her evident concern infuriated marlanx in his heart he knew baldos to be a man of superior birth and a foeman not to be despised from his own station carried away by passion he flashed his sword from its sheath you have drawn on me sir he snarled i must defend myself against even such as you you will find that i am no coward time is short for your gallant lover madame 
Before she could utter a word of protest, the blades clashed, and they were hungry for blood. It was dark in the shadows of the trees, and the trio was quite alone with their tragedy. She heard Baldos laugh recklessly in response to Marlenk's cry of, "'Oh, the shame of fighting with such carrion as you!' "'Don't jest at a time like this, Count,' said the guard softly. "'Remember that I lose no matter which way it goes. "'If you kill me, I lose. "'If I beat you, I lose. "'Remember, you can still have me shot for insubordination and conduct unbecoming.' "'Stop!' almost shrieked Beverly. At risk of personal injury, she rushed between the two swordsmen. Both drew back and dropped their points. Not a dozen passes had been made. "'I beg your highness's pardon,' murmured Baldos, but he did not sheathe his sword. "'He forced it upon me,' cried Marlanx triumphantly. "'You were witness to it all. I was a fool to let it go as far as this. Put up your sword until another day, if that day ever comes to you.' "'He will have you shot for this, Baldos,' cried Beverly in her terror. Baldos laughed bitterly. "'Tied and blindfolded, too, your highness, to prove that he is a brave man and not a coward. "'It was short, but it was sweet. Would that you had let the play go on. "'There was a spice in it that made life worth living and death worth dying. "'Have you other commands for me, your highness?' His manner was so cool and defiant that she felt the tears spring to her eyes. Only that you put up your sword and end this miserable affair by going to your your room. It is punishment enough. Tomorrow's execution can be no harder. Marlanx had been thinking all this time. Into his soul came the thrill of triumph, the consciousness of a mighty power. He saw the chance to benefit by the sudden clash, and was not slow to seize it. "'Never fear, my man,' he said easily. "'It won't be as bad as that. I can well afford to overlook your indiscretion of tonight. There will be no execution, as you call it. This was an affair between men, not between man and the State. Our gracious referee is to be our judge. It is for her to pardon and to condemn.' it was very pretty while it lasted and you are too good a swordsman to be shot go on your way baldos and remember me as marlanx the man not marlanx the general as your superior officer i congratulate and commend you upon the manner in which you serve the princess you will always find me ready to fight and to die for her said baldos gravely do you think you can remember that count marlanx I have an excellent memory, said the Count steadily. With a graceful salute to Beverly, Baldos turned and walked away in the darkness. A perfect gentleman, Miss Calhoun, but a wretched soldier, said Marlanx grimly. He is a hero, she said quietly, a great calmness coming over her. Do you mean it when you say you are not going to have him punished? He did only what a man should do, and I glory in his folly. I may as well tell you point-blank that you alone can save him. He does not deserve leniency. It is in my power, and it is my province, to have him utterly destroyed, not only for this night's work, but for other and better reasons. I have positive proof that he is a spy. He knows I have this proof. That is why he would have me killed just now. 
It is for you to say whether he shall meet the fate of a spy or go unscathed. You have but to exchange promises with me, and the estimable guardsman goes free. But he goes from Edelweiss forever. Today he met the enemy's scout in the hills, as you know quite well. Messages were exchanged, secretly, which you do not know of, of course. Before another day is gone I expect to see the results of his treachery. There may be manifestations to-night. You do not believe me, but wait and see if I am not right. He is one of Gabrielle's cleverest spies. I do not believe it. You shall not accuse him of such things, she cried. Besides, if he is a spy, why should you shield him for my sake? Don't you owe it to Graustark to expose? Here is the princess, said he serenely. Your highness, addressing Yetive. Miss Calhoun has a note which she refuses to let anyone read but you. Now, my dear young lady, you may give it directly into the hands of Her Highness. Beverly gave him a look of scorn, but without a second's hesitation placed the missive into Yetive's hand. The iron count's draw dropped, and he moistened his lips with his tongue two or three times. Something told him that a valuable chance had gone. I shall be only too happy to have your highness read the result of my first lesson in the Graustark language, she said, smiling gaily upon the count. Two men in uniform came rushing up to the party, manifestly excited. Saluting the general, both began to speak at once. One at a time, commanded the count. What is it? Other officers of the guard and a few noblemen from the castle came up, out of breath. "'We have discerned signal-fires in the hills, Your Excellency,' said one of the men from the fort. "'There's a circle of fires, and they mean something important. "'For half an hour they have been burning near the monastery, "'also in the valley below, and on the mountains to the south.' "'There was an instant of deathly silence, "'as if the hearers awaited a crash. "'Marlanx looked steadily at Beverly's face, "'and she saw the triumphant, accusing gleam in his eyes.' Helplessly, she stared into the crowd of faces. Her eyes fell upon Baldos, who suddenly appeared in the background. His face wore a hunted, imploring look. The next instant, he disappeared among the shadows. End of chapter 19